0: Men can count
1: on. Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to The Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at The Bird Rights and get all the latest on your pelicans at TheBirdRights.com. Fans, this is the official podcast of SB Nations The Bird Rights, covering your New Orleans Pelicans. Here with our fearless leader, Editor in Chief Ali Cassell, I'm Trevor Ritchie standing in as your host. Ali, how are you doing?
1: Great, man. I don't know, two wins in a row, three of four, slaughtered the Cavaliers. Things are on the up and up.
0: That is true. Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell.
1: Contact CordellCordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: The Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just to touch on that Kings game, um, New Orleans went down big early. Um, I think it was 40-20 in just the first quarter. Fortunately, the Pelicans outscored Sacramento by 22 points in the second half. DeMarcus Cousins finished with 41 points and 23 rebounds. Drew Holiday and Jameer Nelson combined for a notable 38 points and 13 assists in a 114-106 to 106 win on the road. This game was only Jameer Nelson's fifth day, I believe, with the Pelicans. What have you made of his impact, specifically referring to that game, Ollie?
1: Gigantic. <laughs> you can use all the illustrious uh, adjectives you want because they all apply. Um, the Pelicans simply do not win that game. And honestly, I don't think they even beat the Lakers without Jameer Nelson. They uh, would probably have been staring at 0-5 heading into that Cleveland Cavaliers game. Uh, In that Kings game, Jameer Nelson, he came in, I think, roughly around the six-minute mark of the first quarter. And the Pelicans were absolutely getting destroyed. I think they were down by, like, a margin of 21-6. The defense wasn't there. The offense was not able to do anything. So he comes in, and he stabilized the blowout. Uh, I think he scored on three straight, uh, three-point possessions, uh, or attempts, excuse me, and he ended up with like 11 points in that first quarter. And like I said, even though the Pelicans trailed by about 13 after that first frame, had he not come in, it could have been worse. Uh, Maybe the Pelicans never gained that confidence. But because he was in there, the offense started moving forward. um, And really, the only reason I think the Kings still maintain that lead is they kept on making a lot of tough shots. Uh, whether it was a hand in the face, some long jumpers by players who haven't shot the ball well up to in that up to that point in that game, um, the Kings just—I don't know—they they they were on fire. But because Jameer Nelson made that appearance, I think it, like I said, it brought a calming influence, that veteran presence. So the Pelicans proceed on the chip away at that lead uh, throughout the game and. As you can see, Jameer played 36 minutes and that plus minus of his plus eighteen points, that's I mean that that's huge. That tells you the story of the game right there. His impact was absolutely vital and incredible.
0: With that said, we'll go ahead and move on into the Cavaliers win on Saturday. First of all, if you haven't checked the game recap, that is up on my Twitter as well as at the Bird Rights. Um, anyways, New Orleans continued their home winning streak, now at seven straight, against the Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturday with a 123-101 to 101 victory. Four of the five starters scored 24-plus points, and for the first time in franchise history, three players finished with 29 or more points. How, Ollie, how is the current core four of Drew Holiday, Etuan Moore, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins, who recorded his first triple-double as a Pelican, by the way? How were they able to attack the way they did?
1: Well, it was a couple of factors, Trevor. First things first, this group is actually getting acclimated to one another. And you can tell because uh, at first it was just the DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis show throughout the preseason, the first couple of games of the regular season, as to where they would initiate the offense and try and score, do basically everything on their own, but now the ball movement's getting there. All the players are kind of reading their cuts, know where they're going to be. So we're getting a lot of good wide open shots. And the other factor was the Cleveland Cavaliers just simply didn't show up for the game. Uh, their defense was awful. I mean, it's hard to believe that a LeBron James team could look that bad. Now, granted, we know that he's a seasoned vet who's been to the uh, playoffs um, and the finals for countless number of times. So he knows that. This isn't make or break. They're just simply trying to pace and get to the uh, the goal of the playoffs starting in April. So to them, and you could tell by his comments in the postgame, it wasn't a big deal. But, again, you just don't expect a team to look that bad that's supposed to be that good. Um, the, the Pelicans had so many layups. I think they scored about 70 points in the paint. Um, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus were able to – get to the rim at will but what was even more impressive was the fact that each one more and drew holiday did as well um, i think holiday had at least five layups and then each one more had a couple great cuts to where he had open floaters um it was it was just impressive impressive display of basketball and it's really funny but i just don't know how or why each one more and um uh, well, who's the other one? Oh, Dante Cunningham. How that group was able just to take off, considering where they were two games ago. Um, I said that the the improvement was noticeable, but I don't think anybody expected something like this. Uh, did you happen to watch it, Trevor? And what was your idea? And um, I guess I should ask, how were they able to facilitate such great offense so easily, almost throughout the entire game?
0: I'm. I feel like one of the main things that I saw was was probably the ball movement is the best that I've seen all season. There were just certain possessions where it looked like it was midseason form, honestly. And and that one possession with uh, Josh Smith, which we'll get to later, was I- incredible. And I think that that, I think it's something that they've been trying to work towards in practice and practice and trying to work on. And I feel like that's what kind of kept kept the cleveland offense off balance was the way that we moved the ball and that and that's going to open the game up for players that are struggling like dante cunningham and darius miller and that's what this offense needs to be able to be successful
1: are you referring trevor to that one position where i think they had like nine passes everybody touched it and then i think each one more finished it with uh open three in the corner
0: I am. That was that was the it might end up and I hope not. I hope we haven't peaked this early, but that might be the best possession, you know, that will happen this season. I mean, it was incredible. It, I don't think I've seen that from uh, from New Orleans in a long time.
1: I haven't seen it from a lot of NBA teams. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was incredible.
0: Um moving forward, we just touched on the offense. Let's let's touch on the defense a little bit. Kevin Love Led the Cleveland offense with 26 points, 11 rebounds. LeBron James joined him with a, with a subpar night of 18 points, five rebounds, and eight assists. Um, like I said, we just talked about the offense. What specifically did you see the Pelicans do on defense to limit the defending Eastern Conference champions?
1: The biggest thing they did in, in um, a positive light was the fact that they were able to keep the Cavaliers off balance in the half-court set. As to where LeBron James is known for trying to seek mismatches. So he'll run you off a of pick um, and all sorts of screens until he gets the matchup he likes. For instance, in the past, Dante Cunningham has guarded him really well. And um, so he's always tried to run him off and try and get switched onto a guard. Well, he did that several times last night. And you know what? Both Drew Holiday and one Moore stood their ground. He tried to back them down. And granted, he did make a couple of fantastic fadeaways, like mid-range fadeaways from about 10 to 12 feet. But for the most part, they kept him out of the lane, kept him off the free throw line. Um, The biggest detractor, though, with this defense, and it's been like this since the season started, Trevor, is the fact that they give up too many easy points. And DeMarcus Cousins noted that in the post-game comments. He um, said the Pelicans just have way too many breakdowns still. And you know, they let the opponents waltz on in. And, you know, I remember clearly seeing that in at least several positions. Like, for instance, there was this one where LeBron James was able just to, like, fake a pass to the left corner, and he was staying roughly at the top of the left key. And by doing that one motion, three Pelicans jumped to the left, and he had – it was like parting of the Red Sea. He had an easy drive, big tomahawk dunk. Um, I think it happened in the first quarter or it was at least in the first half, and, you know, everybody's just watching it. There was a couple other plays like that where, you know, the defense just completely either missed rotation or for whatever reason they failed, and it was usually in transition. That's still a sticking point. I think the Pelicans gave up – what was it, Trevor? I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if you do, but it was roughly around 17, 18, 19 fast break points, and considering Cleveland couldn't, you know, get anything going the entire game, that's a lot. So imagine if if the transition had been tighter, uh, this would have even been a bigger blowout. And Cleveland probably doesn't even you know make that comeback in the third quarter where they seize the lead momentarily. But overall, I don't I don't want to you know dwell on that too much. The Pelicans know they have that issue with breakdowns, but for the most part, the defense I agree was a positive. They were up in people's faces when they were set. Uh, they didn't let switches bother them. And that's, you know, that's, that's what the Cavaliers do. That's how they run the successful offense. They look for those mismatches. LeBron creates, and then he finds open shooters. Um, Kevin Love was able to get loose just a little bit in that start of that third quarter, and I think he ended up like five or six from three. Um, that, that, that pretty much spirited their comeback. But thankfully, the Pelicans shut that down. And um, outside of that momentary glitch, defense played a pretty good ball game.
0: You did mention that that surge that Cleveland had in the third quarter to, to kind of get back in the game, but once LeBron James sat to open the fourth quarter, Gentry kind of countered by putting uh, Davis and Cousins back in the game. Anthony Davis had a stretch of 12 straight points and helped increase the lead from 6 to 14 in a span of less than two minutes. Um, what did you see in that span from Anthony Davis? You were there. Can you just comment on that? I mean, Essentially, that's what secured the win, Ollie, right?
1: Yeah, it absolutely was, um, and I'm glad some people on social media picked up on Gentry making this move because to close down the third quarter, a lot of coaches uh, would kind of panic to see such a big lead joined to where they may go ahead and run their starters longer, but Gentry still stuck to his rotations, rested AD, rested DeMarcus, so to start the, the fourth, it wasn't a big deal to have you know those big guys back on the floor together, and it was a great move. They took advantage without LeBron on the floor. They couldn't score on one end. Meanwhile, the Pelicans, and thanks to Anthony Davis, just completely massacred the Cavaliers for a period of about two to three minutes. I don't know if I've – I mean, I have seen Anthony Davis do a lot of wonderful things for stretches, but I don't know if we've ever seen him display such a versatile all-around game. Um, He nailed those two three-pointers, and it was nothing but net. He had a follow-up dunk on um, a cousin's miss. And then I forget how he scored a couple other. I know he had a couple out the free throw line, but yeah, he was just incredible. All night, the Cavaliers couldn't slow him down. Tristan Thompson was always a step slow. He could get up and around Kevin Love easily, and the help was non existent. So I honestly don't see how these guys can't do that every game if they put their mind to it. Um, you know, it was sad that they lost that lead, but for them to be able to fight through that adversity, and that was what I made a big point in that Kings game. They were down big, Um, and a lot of fans were already jumping off the bandwagon. Trevor, I don't know if you picked up on that in social media. Some people are calling, you know, making fun of Drew Holiday and his contract, asking to see Gentry get fired, Dell Demps get fired. I mean, literally, people are ready, you know, just to quit on the team five games into the season. And then, you know, a game later, here we are, game six, now. everybody's talking about the team being legit and all it, all it took was the team to play a little bit better and the role players to step up, which they did. And that, that's what we saw that these guys are kind of learning how to win. And that, and that is vital in this league. And a part of that is the fact that we have two all NBA players, but the other part is that we have those bets that were brought in. Um, and I know this answer is getting a little long winded, but it's important to note. And that's why I was high in a team that was assembled. But then once Rajon Rondo got hurt, I knew that this team would take a step back. That's why I thought they'd start one and three out of the gate, missing Rondo's leadership out there. Uh, And they were going to heavily rely on him to run the offense. It was obvious. But the team and great move by the front office to recognize that they didn't want to let Jordan Crawford go, but they simply had to to bring in another solid bet with uh, a decision making bet in Jameer Nelson. And since then, wow. Uh, we're kind of seeing it all come together. What what, what do you think, Trevor? I, I'm curious to hear your opinion on what because I, I I'm pretty sure you've caught every game. How is this team evolving, and do you see this trend as something they can sustain going forward? It,
0: it's a it's an evolution on the court, Ollie. But I feel like I I definitely hear your optimism, and your optimism has stayed consistent throughout the preseason and the start of this season, and. You remain level-headed, and I feel like that's one of the things that that the the New Orleans Pelicans have done so far as an organization. Despite Solomon Hill going down, despite Rayshon Rondo going down, that they knew after the Warriors game, we can compete with anyone. They they go down big against the Kings, and DeMarcus Cousins said they kept the mindset, the right mindset, the whole game. They knew they could come back they knew they could do it and then the same thing if i mean you were there we all heard what the players said if uh some of the fans didn't go check the pelicans twitter and some other things and see what the the feel was like from that team after Saturday's win against the cavaliers they feel like despite injuries and despite everything that they can compete with anyone and if you don't believe it you can't do it so so regardless of what people think about how they play on the court, how they're running their offense, how certain sets go, what, the, what happens with the breakdowns, at least they believe. And if you believe, you have a chance against anyone, especially when you have two players, like you said, Ali, that are all NBA caliber. DeMarcus Cousins right here, right now, is, is MVP caliber. And uh, it's cliche. It, it's as cliche as it can get. But that mindset is the number one thing that you have to have to be able to compete with these teams like the Golden State Warriors, like the Cleveland Cavaliers. And in, in a Western conference that's so tough, it, it, it's something that's vital. And it's I, I feel like this team, confidence-wise and, and buying into each other, it's as high as it's been that I've seen while I've been a Pelicans fan, Ollie.
1: <laughs> Great answer. Couldn't agree more. Um, A lot of people, you know, dismiss the fact, Trevor, that this game is a lot more mental than it is physical. Uh, As long as you're healthy, it's really, truly a mental game. I mean, it doesn't matter in the talent disparity um, in a lot of games because, you know, it's rarely going to be blowouts, and we've seen it throughout, you know, year after year, Um, even this season. I mean, look at the start the Magic have had, and, and they've beaten a couple, several good teams, both the Cavaliers and the Spurs. Um, all it is, is that confidence. All it is, is, is that will and understanding. And and, I mean, you said it best, this team has it and they have that belief. And I honestly can't recall the last time they had it either. I mean, Grant, they made the postseason uh, a couple of years ago, but you know what? They were so young back then and it wasn't an assured thing. And every win seemed more like, wow, maybe we can do it because for the longest time, I know they were not able to go on winning streaks that season. They, they weren't able to sustain the success they needed to. And I simply think it was because of the lack of that faith and belief and experience. And that is something they do have. So it's very important to note that. Um, for those people that may think this may be a flash in the pan, you've got to realize what they have now on that roster. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, you don't want to get too high because it is so early. You don't want to drink too much Kool-Aid, but it's definitely a different team, and it's a, definitely a different vibe in that locker room.
0: Just a just a side note, you touched on the the front office add, adding some, some veteran uh, experience to the roster. Um, Josh Smith officially signed with the Pelicans on Saturday, and seven minutes of play against the Cavaliers, Smith scored two points, one of one from the field, grabbed a couple rebounds, like we mentioned earlier, was a part of that. Incredible ball movement. How do you see Smith being incorporated moving forward, Ollie?
1: You know, I think he's going to be mostly used in kind of backup, backup to emergency minutes, like we saw in that game. Um, it was great that he was able to actually have a po- couple of positive contributions because I, I watched him play um, against the Utah Jazz in preseason when he was playing for Maccabi, uh, a team out of Israel. And he looks so out of shape. He, he looked like a shell of his former self. And all I noticed in that game, besides his inability to you know, go after rebounds, be that defensive presence like we saw when he was with the Atlanta Hawks, was the fact he, he just enjoys sitting at the top of the key, launching three after three. And you know what? He hasn't been a good three-point sh- shooter for most of his career, but especially recently, he's become an awful shooter. He's a guy you don't want shooting the ball. So obviously, as soon as the announcement was made most people and including myself were, were in fear of this guy's going to come in I'll start chucking up some shots but you know what give him credit he didn't do that whether it, it was on his own volition or the fact that the coaching staff had a good talk with him on what they expect out of him game plan was followed he uh, moved the ball well as you said he only took what was it i think he had a uh, I think he actually had a couple of misses in that game, but it was once the game was sealed. But before that, he had made his first shot attempt and he grabbed a few rebounds. So, you know, that, that's all you need because right now, Sheik Diala is not able to give those minutes that the Pelicans need. I think he picked up like three or four fouls in a quick, you know, seven, eight minutes, however well, many minutes he Ollie, in that
0: game. he's I think he's able. He's able his, his, he's, he has the ability. He just doesn't have the discipline. When you pick up three fouls in three minutes, you know, you can't get minutes. We can't afford to put you in there. And, and that lack of discipline costs the team in a span of less than three minutes. I don't think that's, uh, you know, that that uh, kind of gets molded and, and contributes to where he's not ready. But I, I, he's definitely capable. What I've seen, he, he's talented. It's just there's no discipline there. Am I wrong, Ollie?
1: Yeah, no, no. Poor choice of words, but, I man, you're absolutely right. I've seen Dial ever since he put on the uniform two years ago in summer league. His uh, talent was obvious. His desire and effort was there. But yeah, he he doesn't understand the game well enough yet. And um, Trevor, that's why he's picking up those you know fouls, quick fouls, stupid fouls. And on top of that, he's he's I don't know how many times he's been called for three second violations, defensive three second violations. Been it's, it's been at least three or four times. And considering how he's barely even seen court time, that that's just way too many. So yeah, that's what I meant. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, and that's why Josh Smith was signed, and it was a good signing. We'll see if it works, and I don't expect him to stay with the team for the rest of the year. You have to expect at some point Agenta to come back, or Diallo maybe to pick things up, Um, because another thing is that the Pelicans cannot afford to keep Smith for the year, even though, let's say, they do have um, that ability to use that hardship throughout the season, God forbid, but if that was to be the case, the Pelicans say they have four players out with injury uh, throughout the year, then maybe Smith could be an option for the rest of the year. But let's just assume that's not going to be the case. Rajon Rondo should be back in about a month. Same with Ajanta So right there may be his window. Uh, but let's hope that he can continue just to give them those spot minutes and make those positive contributions that I think Alvin Gentry alluded to. Um, he says they liked him enough that he's got enough feel for the game that they trust him for a few minutes and that's what we saw last night.
0: Just to give a, a overall view of what that win Saturday meant. It even the Pelicans record at 3 and 3 and this is the first time New Orleans has sat at 500 since February of 2015. It's been a long time. But up next for the Pelicans will be the Orlando Magic on Monday, October 30th at the Smoothie King Center. What are your expectations for that game, Ollie? It's a it's a Magic team that started off well. They also knocked off the Cavaliers. Uh, they're playing at a high level right now. Uh, what do you expect?
1: You know, I don't know. Um, I look at the record four and one. They're leading the Eastern Conference. Um, that could mean something, but you know, maybe it doesn't. Like for instance, last year, Lakers got off to a quick start. Um, I think Brooklyn, before lose dropping the last two, had started three and one. So you don't know what to make of the first two weeks. It could be just the team is really clicking that much and they're playing opponents who simply aren't. And that's usually what happens. That's why we've seen the Cavaliers get off slow start, Golden State had kind of a rough start out of the gate too. So is this just the magic taking advantage of other teams or is it the fact that they're really good? Um, I have not been able to see too much of them play. So for me, Personally, it's hard to make a guess on this game. Before, I had penciled this as a a must and an easy one. Not an easy, but excuse me, just a given win for the Pelicans. But now, uh, it almost, you know, you don't want to pencil it in. Because the Magic, when I look at the stats, they're averaging 118 points a game. And considering the Pelicans' defense has not been entirely sharp throughout games, it can be taken advantage of. Um, The Magic defense, though, hasn't been all that great either. So that's where the Pelicans, I think, have their best chance. Um, I don't know if you know this, Trevor, but I was looking at some stats this morning. The Pelicans now have a top five offense. Um, This is something we thought was going to happen as soon as Alvin Gentry walked through the door two years ago. But it hasn't. But suddenly this year, it is. It's clicking, and every game they're moving up the rankings to where now they've got the fifth most efficient offense. it bodes well i mean often nowadays in this style of game is what wins your games it used to be defense 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 but now it's often so i still think the pelicans will win but i don't you know i can't put this in the for sure column um i'll give it about 75 25 chance that they're going to, you know notch that win what about you what are you what, what are your predictions for that game
0: I'm leaning around the same the same place uh, for the for the same reasons that you listed. It's just a game that I do agree with you and see as a must win because you don't want to come off of what it, you know. You compete with the defending NBA champions. You lose Anthony Davis, and and it kind of throws you off in a game, and you drop one. You you get to the Kings. You go down twenty in the first quarter, and you come back behind Demarcus Cousins, humongous win. Then you get AD back and then you beat the other team that was in the NBA Finals last year. And it's just a win that if you if they get this win, it's a it's a whole different – it just exemplifies the feeling that they already have right now, and, and that's something that the Pelicans could really use with how tough this start is uh, to to run the start of this season. And, and that's something that we saw the entire offseason and the preseason leading in to all of this, is that these first 12 games, that if we could just come out at 500, that's what I said in, in our preview podcast. That if we can just get out at six and six, I'll be thankful. So if, I feel like if we get the win against the Magic on Monday, that that will set up so, where they can outdo that. And at that point, it's a lot better place than at least I viewed that we would be at. um Just to just a note for that game, tip off is set for 7 p.m. um That just that does it for me, Pel's fans. Ollie, do you have any last words?
1: No man, let's see if we can continue all the good vibes, all the good wins, and uh, keep keep this fan base enlightened and shocked. I would I would assume nobody predicted any of this. You know, it was doom and gloom because of the slow start in the preseason, some injuries. But you know what? They're right there, as you said, three and three, and uh, got an easier part of the schedule coming up. So let's see what happens. Yes, sir.
0: I'm Trevor Ritchie. You can follow me on Twitter at Richie T-M-R, that's R-I-T-C-H-I-E-T-M-R. That is Ali Cosell. You can follow him on Twitter at his name. Until next time, go Pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bird Rights for all the latest and best coverage on your pals. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Your help has gotten us to more than 35,000 downloads at this point. A feature on Blog Talk Radio on the main page and a spot here on Dash Radio's new Basketball Concentrated Network. And as always, if you have any questions, direct them to at Preston Ellis and we'll answer them by the next show. Let's go pals!